Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. We're inspiring conversations for the unafraid. I'm Janice McDonald, founder of The Beacon Agency, author, and global champion for women. Why am I making this show? Because I want to share the inspiring stories of women leaders in business, arts and culture, politics, and more with all of you. Hear how they've chosen to go forward and be bold and make the world a better place, even when it wasn't easy to do. Subscribe now wherever you find podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Janice McDonald, and this is the Fearless Women Podcast. So I want to check in with all of you. How are you actually doing? Are you feeling fearless these days? I know I don't feel fearless every day during these unprecedented times. It's hard to be at home trying to make it all work. We're having to balance so many competing needs and add Zoom meetings on top of it. I saw a cartoon that made me laugh. It said, my desire to be well-informed is currently at odds with my desire to remain sane. I'm certain that many of you have this same kind of feeling. I hope you're finding ways to be present and enjoy the little things. And I hope you can feel some connection and find some inspiration from our show while you stay home to flatten the curve. So as many of you know, I released my book in early March. I want to thank all of you for your support in making it Fearless Girls with Dreams, Women with Vision, a bestseller in Canada. I am so grateful. You can still buy it at Amazon and if you're venturing out in store at Costco right across the country. The book celebrates women taking risks, facing down fears, and blazing a trail. Messages that are essential and offer the kinds of inspiration we need right now. That's why this next guest is exactly who we need to hear from right now. Although a Canadian, she's currently living in the USA. Giovanna Mingarelli is a technology entrepreneur, public speaker, writer, and CEO of MC2. The list goes on and on. She'll tell us so much more. She's contributed to and been interviewed by Harvard Business School, CBC Radio Canada, The Globe and Mail, Toronto Star, all about her contributions to various social entrepreneurship and youth engagement strategies. She's worked with several federal government agencies, as well as a former prime minister of Canada. She's been a parliamentary witness, a guest lecturer, keynote speaker, and she talks a lot about her interest in women in politics and digital democracy. She has a quest, and I love this, is to make life a game that we play. She's going to talk about technology, about engagement, and so much more. She's even on the board of directors of Global Dignity. She's going to give us the scoop on that. I'm super excited to have her here today. Welcome on the show, Giovanna. Hello, Janice, and thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So as a tech entrepreneur, you're leading an interesting company called MC2 that you founded. Like many entrepreneurs dealing with the pandemic, you've been responsive and pivoted your business. Tell us what you're up to and why it matters what you're doing, because it's pretty exciting. Well, MC2 is a tech startup. We're based in Ottawa and we build software as a service chatbots for social impact. We call them impact bots. So basically we bring instant messaging to doing good. And so in light of COVID, there's never been a greater need for our service. And that's become quite apparent over the last couple of months. And um, we're really trying to play our part in helping the world. 
with everything going on, with all of the uncertainty, with so many people that are at home who care so much about what's happening and they want to help, but they don't know what to do. And so our software is designed to help those people and to match those people with the ways that they can help and with the companies and organizations and governments that need their help and are asking them to help. And so one example of what we've been in the process of rolling out and a campaign that we've just launched is for the youth empowerment organization, Global Dignity, for which I'm on the board of directors. I'm the Canadian chair. It's an organization co-founded by Crown Prince Haakon of Norway. It's a non-religious, non-political organization empowering kids K-12 with dignity in 80 countries around the world. And the bot that MC2 has donated to Global Dignity is designed to unite the kindness campaign efforts of organizations and NGOs around the world, uh, beginning in Canada, um, in order to showcase, so to quantify and, and showcase the collective impact that our kindness activities are having on one map, right? So the whole idea is that there are tons of different organizations trying to help. They all have different campaigns. And so our bot is pulling them all together and showcasing them in one beautiful place so that parents and their kids who are at home can go and say, oh, I see what our neighbor Sally has just done right? As an act of kindness, I could do that too. Or I don't really like what Sally did, but I could do this. You know, I could take out the garbage for my neighbor or so on and so forth. So the whole idea is to both make discoverable acts of kindness that are practical and real world, and then also aggregate the stuff that people are already doing and make that discoverable. Which is so amazing, right? Like it, that's, that's super interesting, especially right now when you think uh, particularly that age demographic where they're not in school and yet they are online and what a beautiful way to keep kindness at the forefront of the things that they're doing. Yes. And how appropriate that it would be a Canadian company rolling this out because Canada mm -hmm. is the, one of the kindest countries in the world, according to the giving index. And so we very proudly roll this out in time for giving Tuesday on Tuesday, May 5th. Well, and I will tell you this, I didn't need to read the research to know it. As somebody who's gone across Canada numerous times on our national research meeting Canadians, boy, we are, we are very kind. <laughs> it's an amazing country. And so this is really exciting that you've launched this, that you've wrapped it up into Giving Tuesday. Can people still give after the fact? Absolutely. Well, the beauty about kindness is that you can give it any time. And what's great about it is we have many partners. So Global Dignity's partners, uh, pre-existing partners include WE, Taking It Global, Right to Play, the YMCA, the Canadian Commission to UNESCO, and many others. And we've also partnered with some local tech startups like Athletica Rewards, founded by auto entrepreneur Angela Gorin, who are gonna be promoting the wellness actions that people can do as part of our campaign. So the campaign launches with Giving Tuesday, but it actually continues until the fall. And so mm. even if you missed the Giving Tuesday announcement, it's no problem because you can continue to find the campaign, search for activities that you wanna do and ways you can help and give your time to really helping the world around you. So can you give us the specific 
place where people go? What's, how do we find out exactly? Go to globaldignity.org slash unite kindness. What an exciting company. It's an interesting company. It's beautiful that it's rooted in kindness. What's something you wish you knew earlier, Giovanna? Whether it's about business, about uh, a startup, technology, however, you know, there's lots of different ways you can answer it, but what's something you wish you knew earlier? Hmm. I wish that I had learned how to relax more as an entrepreneur building a company. Say more, what do you mean? Yeah. yeah, I feel like there's a lot of pressure, right? If you look at the Silicon Valley ethos, if you look at, you know, the the hardline tech startup world, right? Like there's this, this notion of, you know, the most successful entrepreneurs work day and night, 16 hours a day, right? Like it's, it's a constant grind. And I really feel leaders like Arianna Huffington, you know, Sheryl Sandberg have been putting a dent in that notion, right? In talking more about work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I really feel like, you know, things like sleep, Yes. Um, Arianna Huffington is so big on that, right? Like how can you perform at your best if you're sleep deprived? Well, you can. Right. Right. Her book Thrive. I loved it. It was so good. I mean, I really, I really feel like, you know, this notion of relaxing into your work and, and being productive has never been more apparent than now with COVID, right? We're all working from home. Many people's schedules have changed. And I know my schedule has changed. And as a result of that, you know, I'm, I'm at once busier than I was before in many ways, but more productive and more relaxed. And I, I wish I had actually gotten to this place sooner. And I've heard so many of my, my friends, my colleagues say very similar things, right? A lot of people are saying, I'm actually afraid that it goes back to what it was. Mm. Right. Because we're different too now, right? After having gone through this, we all see the world, I think, a little differently. Yeah, we've experienced our lives in a bit of a different way and in a way that can be a bit more balanced. And of course, you know, it's I, I say this in the midst of a, a time of great misfortune, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. really not a good time for, for many people. And we're all going through and dealing with different hardships. But at the same time, it's seeing the silver lining in that. And there is beauty in that. And there is, I feel like a new sense of balance that's coming from that. And there's an undercurrent there that I feel a lot of people are starting to, to express. And I think that's interesting. So yeah, I wish I had just learned to kind of ease into my work sooner and to have more calm amidst all of it. Well, you had a um, front row seat, certainly in San Francisco and Silicon Valley. And now with your husband, Brandon Lee, who's the Canadian Consul General of Pacific Northwest. Now you're in a different part in the USA. So, um, and you currently look at Canada, obviously, from the outside. So you've lived and worked and represented Canada in different cities. What's that like? I mean, I would start by saying it's a tremendous honor to be able to represent Canada alongside Brandon, who's an extraordinary individual. And I'm so grateful for him and for his partnership. And we're so both so grateful to be here now. And, uh, he's, and by here, he's, you are living. We are, we are in Redmond. So we're 15 minutes outside of Seattle. 
Uh, we're, we're a five minute walk to Microsoft, um, you know, surrounded by uh, lots of really wonderful people. Um, uh, we, we definitely enjoy, um, you know, taking walks as much as possible. Um, of course, life is, is very, very, very busy right now, um, but that's okay. And, and like I mentioned earlier, um, we found a nice balance in that. A lot more home cooking, um, you know, a lot no entertaining, more entertaining, right? No entertaining, <laughs> which, is something, which is something we love to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, actually one of our favorite things that we started doing since we uh, moved to, to um, this, this uh, territory was a powerful women's dinner. So we actually started these last fall. Um, and the powerful women's dinners um, are hosted at our home. And it's eight women per dinner, uh, Jeffersonian style um, rules, where um, essentially we have structured um, uh, conversations about life, right? So they're actually, they're, they're Give us an example. So, you know, one of the beauties of the dinners is that no one actually knows what questions we're going to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, one question is, what's something that you've done? that you would never want to do again, right? Something that you're proud of that you went through, but you would never do again, right? And then- And then, the- and, and can you pause and answer that question for us? <laughs> yes. Because that's a really good question. So, and this, so this is actually an answer that I've given. Okay, um, perfect. In 2006, I had, so up until that point, I'd been working in politics. So at the time I was working for the Right Honorable Paul Martin in the press office when he was prime minister. And after that election, the 06 election, I had gone through a full political cycle. So from 15 to 22, working in federal electoral politics. And, and my sister, Chiara, who's now a gravitational waves astrophysicist, but at the time she was still in school. She and I had always said, okay, depending on our lives right in the summer of 2006, depending on how the election goes, we'll either stay in Ottawa or we're gonna move to Scotland because we're half Italian, half Scottish, and we've never really known our Scottish culture. So the election turned out as it did and Prime Minister Harper formed a government. And so Dad and I decided to pack up our bags and move to Scotland but this was because, after, you know, that's what you do, right? Right. And, and, and we were going to backpack because we had never done that either, right? So, you know, we'd come from a small town called Rockland, 45 minutes east of Ottawa, a French-Canadian town. We hadn't really seen much of the world up until that point. So we thought now is a really good time. Mm-hmm. We do a little backpacking tour of Europe uh, along with our other sister, Oliviana. We show up in Scotland with 19 pounds between the two of us. 19 pounds. And that's not a lot. It's not a lot of money. No. (laughs) And we had heard, okay, so we had heard and we wanted it this way, right? We actually wanted to just go and Mm. like, and rough it, right? Like that was the goal of this trip was we, we just know that we can do this. We're just going to figure out whatever we don't know. And we had heard from a friend that you can actually work at a hostel, right? Like if you just show up and, and you can clean and then you can stay there for free. So we thought we're just going to do that. And so we literally have our little suitcases and we start going hostel to hostel, knocking on the door, being like, hi, 
we're Canadians. Can we work here? And they're like, no, like maybe try the other hostel. Finally, we find a hostel. Yes, they had two places. We worked at the hostel for a month. We found jobs after a month. I, I worked at a restaurant, actually this beautiful five diamond restaurant next to Edinburgh Castle. My sister worked for an architecture firm. It was brutal. Like, I mean, brutal working at the hostel. Like I would never, never, ever do it again. But it was a very important learning experience for me to go through. I think partly because my life prior to that, right, I'd been working in, in federal politics in the prime minister's office. And then I went literally to a hostel and was cleaning bathrooms at a hostel. And at such a young age, the contrast was necessary and meaningful. And it basically shattered any potential sense self, of entitlement sense or of, exactly the sense mm -hmm. of entitlement that oh you know i you know i don't do that but, you know any anything like that was 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 zero right like basically it was two months ago i was in the press office and now i'm cleaning a urinal mm. and it was that contrast in my life i'll never forget it i will never ever ever forget it and i try and bring myself back to that in my professional career because I'm very fortunate and I'm very grateful for the experiences that I've had professionally and where I am today. But I also grew up from very humble beginnings, right? We didn't have a lot of money growing up. My father was a mathematician. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. We were seven kids, right? So we had enough food to eat, but everything was a hand-me-down. And my life has just been all about these contrasts of going from very, very humble to then, oh, wow, this great success. And I think that having that balance of the two has helped me become a more balanced person with great empathy and understanding and compassion. And that's something that helps me grow as a person, both personally and professionally, but also really feel an urge to help other people because really often people just need, and this is actually very relevant to this podcast, people just need that fearlessness, right, to go out and take that leap and, and to not be afraid that, oh, if I go and work at a hostel now, what's that going to mean for my sense of my previous self? It's kind of smashing the old you and building a new you and being okay with that at different points in your life. And by doing that, you can accomplish anything, but you have to be willing to give up the old or parts of the old to build the new. And a lot of people can't crack that and that makes it so that you can't change, right? And so I think that's for me in my life, one of my lessons of fearlessness, one of the most significant ones was being able to like, to just smash the old with a hammer and then have the courage to rebuild myself in the way that, that I'm endeavoring to. It's beautiful. And so quite fearless and very inspiring and so helpful for right now. Take us back to the 10-year-old you. What was that girl like? You told us where you were living. What were you into? So I loved writing stories. At 10 years old, I had this 100-page screenplay. I'm not even joking. Like I actually <laughs> wrote a book and then I wrote a play and I got 25 of my classmates to come to our house and to actually like, I gave each of them a role and we had a play that we just started acting out, which was a story that I had written from the age of eight until 10. So it took me two years to write this story. And then my classmates were acting it out. 
And that's who I was when I was 10, right? Like I just Mm -hmm. thought, well, I'm going to write this story. Oh, now it's going to become a play. Oh, now we need people to be in the play. So I'm going to get my classmates to all come together and, and, and be part of it. And I never really doubted that that was something I could do at 10. I just That's kind of so went fun. ahead and did it. You're a ringleader. You get everybody <laughs> out and everybody around, whether it's the play or whatever it is. That's so amazing. I love that story. So now take us to another project that you're working on because global dignity isn't enough. It's not enough to have MC2. You also are active in Women in Cloud. What's that all about? So Women in Cloud is a Seattle-based organization dedicated to providing women-led SMEs in STEM with a billion dollars in economic access by 2030. So they're partnered with the United Nations, right? Microsoft, multiple uh, IBM, right? So multiple large companies as well as international organizations. I am on the board of advisors for Women in Cloud and recently worked with Women in Cloud in running a billion dollar economic access campaign to scale Women in Cloud's initiatives from being mainly Pacific Northwest focused to North American focused. I've worked with them and we're continuing to work on scaling this billion dollar campaign to Canada, engaging Canadian public policymakers in an effort to give basically women-led SMEs better access to our procurement systems, in particular, high-value contracts of a million dollars or more. Because the basic reality is that right now, women-led SMEs and STEM only actually have access to 4% of million-dollar contracts or more. The numbers are dismal in terms of uh, women being able to tap into those lucrative contracts, which really can transform your business. Yeah, it's 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 all about revenue, right? Cash is mm-hmm. king, and so absolutely. Yeah, and so if we want to see more women, you know, women-led unicorns, right? These women have to have access to the contracts to generate yeah. that revenue, and so the whole point of this campaign, this billion-dollar economic access campaign is to give access to existing procurement vehicles. So we're not asking for new money. We're not asking for grants. We're basically just saying, here are some systems and technologies that can be used in existing procurement vehicles to remove gender bias. You know, here's a method to provide training to with the women-led SMEs who are gonna be bidding on those contracts. And, you know, here's a way that public office holders can support this initiative within the House of Commons in other ways. Um, so and we're powerful. likewise Absolutely. And, and we're likewise having this conversation with the U.S. government on a national scale as well. So, yeah, it's something I'm deeply passionate about. And of course, you know, Janice, you yourself are a tech entrepreneur. And so I think that in years to come, there's a conversation, there's always a conversation about equality, right, and women's equality and different capacities of leadership. But absolutely. I think... Access, equal access Access. to contracts is of equal importance. And so vital. And if I relate it back to the research with my colleague, whom you know, Claire Becton, that we've done on women entrepreneurs in Canada, you know, we know that grants are wonderful. Of course, women want access to money, but to your point, what they really want are sales. 
you know, they want, they want to get, get and be able to access those amazing opportunities. So what an incredible initiative. And thank you for sharing. You know, you'll have to come back on again and give us the update. And for people who are interested in Women in Cloud, where do they go? They can go to womenincloud.org. Perfect. Easy breezy. Womenincloud.org. And they can get the whole scoop. So final question, and this is the big one, you know, recognizing obviously you're, you're living outside of Canada right now, but of course your company is uh, Ottawa-based. But what is your dream, Giovanna, for Canada? You know, I have many, but my main one is exporting our kindness to the rest of the world. I would love for Canada's brand of kindness to be recognizable and identifiable and and accessible to other countries around the world. Because I think right now, especially with COVID-19 and this global awakening in many ways, to the, the critical urgency of us being, you know, socially connected, but physically isolated, we all need more kindness. And the conversations, you know, around loneliness that so many people are experiencing, issues around different buildings closing down, volunteers not being made available, with a little bit of kindness, it can go a long way, right? Just thinking about the other person, thinking about how we can help. And so that's really my dream is Canada has a culture of kindness. It's real. We live it. We talk it. A lot of us don't even really think about it. Of course, there are outliers to to everything, right? To every culture. But in general, this is something that makes us strong. This is something that I think holds us together as a country. And it's something that I think is valuable. And it is an asset to us that is exportable. And I would love to see that happen. Such a beautiful dream for Canada. Focus on kindness, sharing it with the world, and you've got a way to do it. It's Giovanna Mingarelli. She's a tech entrepreneur. You know she's an amazing public speaker. You heard that. If you're interested, look her up. You can find all of her writings. She's CEO of MC2. She's also engaged with Global Dignity and also Women in Cloud. What an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Giovanna Mingarelli, thank you so much for joining me today on the Fearless Women podcast. Janice, thank you so much for having me. It was my honor and privilege and really looking forward to uh, reconnecting with you soon. Absolutely. (laughs) When we're allowed to. Right. Thanks for listening. We want our community to grow. Tell your friends, follow us on Instagram and sign up for our newsletter at fearlesswomenpodcast.com to get the early scoop. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, BDC, Lockheed Martin, and Export Development Canada. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to Export Development Canada, the international risk experts, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. Supporting Canadian companies of all sizes succeed on the world stage. EDC takes your worries away and helps you grow your business with confidence. When your business has no borders, neither does your potential. Find out more at edc.ca slash women in trade. BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. 
We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, go to bdc.ca slash women.